Welcome to the latest edition. Um, in this episode today, we're just going to touch base on a lot of different things. But the main focus is to really look at, um, you know, raising a boy child, the complexities of raising a boy child. And I'm with a good friend of mine. He's still sort of um, a young man <laughs> to me. <laughs> I don't know whether he considers himself as a young man. Um, uh, also, he's in, you know, with the wife, they're a young couple. And the reason why I love having this conversation with them now is because I feel like there's a certain level of authenticity that can actually come out from them in terms of maybe a few mistakes that they're still, you know, uh, doing, but also flagging out a bit of their core beliefs uh, and sort of juxtaposing their current lifestyle and their upbringing and what they're doing to sort of help, you know, their little ones to, not really little ones, but their, their teenage kids to sort of navigate their space in society today. Uh, and also thinking about different complexities. For instance, they came all the way from South Africa and now they're living in Australia. But like the differences between those two contexts, what they really mean to them, um, I think it's really what I want to sort of, um, I would like to achieve um, more in this conversation. But I don't know what he would love to achieve. I sent the invitation, but I'd love to hear what he personally would love to achieve. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest, uh, Mohammed Hassan. Mo, what's up? Hey, what's going on, Tony? <laughs> hey, everybody. Um, Mohammed here on the line with you guys and I'm very happy and pleased to be a part of this podcast. Great. It's good to have you. Um, how have you been? Been good. Busy. Right. Um, work. We just came back from a long uh, holiday mm -hmm. back to South Africa for mm -hmm. six weeks. So um, just came back to try and tie things up before the end of the year and get ready for the festive season. Right. Right. And how has South Africa changed? <laughs> not the same i'm sure good on to the bad oh it's um good because you still got the family back home mm. but bad to see exactly what's going on right. um and the changes are not necessarily positive right. um right but it's not negative either yeah um, there's yeah. a lot going on as we all know but um it was good to be back nonetheless. Right, right. Obviously, we'll keep touching base on a little bit about South Africa because I'd love to sort of get a bit of an idea in terms of your upbringing there and then how you're sort of applying some of the skills from there to where you are now. Mm. But who is Mo, if you are to sort of simplify yourself to the listeners? Growing up, Mohammed was um, sort of not... I never had a lot growing up. Um, I didn't have a little either. So I would call myself an average kid growing up in South Africa or an average boy. Um, I grew up in a, a place called Braylon in, in East London in South Africa. And, we, you know, obviously growing up with a lot of boys your age, going to school, we, 90% of us had what we need growing up. You know, there wasn't a lot more around. You know, I had a one working parent. Uh, mom stayed at home and my dad worked, worked in an, uh, he was a bricklayer and then he went to work as an, in an abattoir. So it was a very average or slightly below average if you want to call it that. Um, growing up there, I feel that I, I received a lot of opportunities in life. Um, fortunately, I took them. I know a lot of other people that received similar, but sort of went right past them. Um, and because of the the vision to try and take those opportunities I, I made the most of them and it gave me uh pathways to what i'm actually doing which i never ever thought i would be which is uh i'm a qualified panel beater by by trade 
but I work at this point in time for an insurance company and I'm a, a loss adjuster, motor assessor. Mm-hmm. So it's not something I wanted to be. A, a lot of us don't see that. Yeah. Um, it sort of just fell on my lap. I took and seized the moment and, and made the maximum out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, around, you know, li- late high school, I met Bron and my wife. Um, and soon later we finished uh, schooling. We had two kids. Uh, which is why they sort of growing up as our friends yeah. um, along with us, along the journey. Um, and we made a, a, a few very, very good moves and decisions, which has allowed us the opportunity to relocate continents. Mm-hmm. And we've moved to Australia where, again, we've taken good opportunities yeah. and made the most out of it. Um, and I'd say today we are, as you call it, young um, I'm not sure if some other people in the Yawa age, if they think we're young. Uh, I'd like <laughs> what is the range? Oh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, when I was in my early 20s, I thought being 35 was old. Uh, <laughs> so, well, not old, but older. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, being 35, I would still class it as young enough to do and make good decisions for your future. Yeah. Um, but I also think there's a lot of time that has passed. And yeah. if you haven't made good decisions, yeah. yeah. Um, you sort of would find yourself in a, in awkward positions um, in terms of making your future brighter, not only for yourself, your family and your children, but for, for everybody else mm-hmm. around you. As you know, with South Africa and where we come from, it's not only about us, but it's about the family we leave behind. Mm-hmm. And you don't necessarily leave them, even though you switch continents. Um, it's just the pressure sometimes becomes more because you've got now a lot more responsibility from a distance to look after. Right, right. Um, so, so when every time we make a decision, we make a decision for our immediate family, our wife and our kids. Um, but we also have to make smart decisions because you know that you've got your parents and you've sometimes you've got siblings mm-hmm. um, that sometimes rely on you mm-hmm. um, to get by and to get through. And I, I'd say that's part of the reason why you, you always tend to put an extra 10% in. So you're not doing that 100%, you're doing the 110% on a daily basis right. consistently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's Mohammed, you know, very caring person, loves his family, loves sport. Um, I do enjoy what I do uh, in terms of, of work. I've been doing it since I'm 19 years old. I'm 35 today. Um, and along the way, there's been ups and downs, as there always is, yeah, yeah. or there always are. But... Um, yeah, that's me. I mean, we'll touch on a little bit on those um, few points that you raised now. Uh, Hassan, um, uh, what 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 ethnicity would you say you are, and, or what what race? Because it seems to me you've got the the colored background. Mm-hmm. So, for those who don't understand, the colored background is different to the American context. You know, uh, when you when you go to to South Africa, um, but also Hassan is more of um, um, so it is. So, so yes, you're right. Mm-hmm. I, I, I am from a colored background. I'm also from an Indian background. Mm-hmm. My religion is Islam, which right. is Muslim. Yeah. Um, Hassan or Hassan is obviously from the religious side of it. That's where the surname comes from right. or the last name comes from. Right. Um, Muhammad is a Muslim name. And obviously my, my dad gave me that name. So my dad is Muslim. Um, and he, it's very difficult. <laughs> But hard to get through it, but I'll, I'll try and brief it up. So my dad is a mixture of colored and Indian, mm-hmm. and my mom is a mixture of colored and Indian. All right. So I'm a mixture of colored and Indian. Uh, growing up in a colored uh, neighborhood, should I call it? In actual fact, Brayland was made to be an Indian residential area, mm-hmm. um, and it slowly converted to a colored. 
um, I sort of preferred, um, if I can say this, I preferred to go down the line of, of getting me a, a colored girlfriend when I was younger. Yeah. So I found myself more in the colored areas um, where my wife Brandon is from. So Braylon is a mixture of colored and an Indian area, um, but Hassan is um, more of a Muslim surname, right, not necessarily right. an Indian or a colored. Yes. It's just a Muslim, and that's where that comes from. But I have grown up 90% or 95% um, mm-hmm. as a colored mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in South Africa. Um, now, okay, let's... I wanted to sort of go past that. I would love us now to dive deep into part of the hard work mm-hmm. <laughs> for today. Earlier on, you spoke about, you know, hard decision-making, you know, having to relocate from South Africa, change of jobs, and so on and so forth. It's a big decision to leave your family back. But now you're raising two um, teenage boys. Um, uh, one is 16, and, and what, the other one? The 14. Last one, 14. Mm-hmm. The last one is 14. I'm keen to know what are your fears today? Um raising teenage boys what are your fears looking at the complexities of life you know uh, there's too many politics happening around too many change of laws and policies and sometimes these are not really things happening in 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 in, in australia as yet uh, but I spend a lot of time sort of looking at what is happening also in America because I know that most of most parts of the world sort of mimic things that are happening in America. But also Australia has started to sort of adopt certain policies, your gender fluid and so on and so forth, what child abuse look like and so on and so forth. What would you say are your fears, not yours, you know, sort of in tandem with your wife's, but mainly yours as a man raising two young boys? I'd say, to be very honest with you, I, it's not something that crosses my mind daily. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we all have fears that we want our kids, um, whether it's sons or, or daughters, to become the best that they can be and to, to follow a good path and, and, and so on. And I think a lot of it comes from giving them a good upbringing. Um, I, I must be honest, and some people may say, it's crazy, you know, of course you're going to be concerned. I am. But I also know that I've given my absolute best to raise those boys. And mm-hmm. both my, my wife and I have done it. Um, and I think we've done a very good job. But me specifically, I, I I've have sort of instilled in them the way that I grew up. And I feel I turned out okay. And, and I, I would just cross fingers that they do the same. In terms of fear... I would say the biggest thing out there that you look at, and, and I think this would strike every parent, is is drug abuse, mm-hmm. alcohol abuse, getting into the wrong company. Um, you know, growing up, you get the kids that are, you know, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, getting into cars, driving. And I think a fear would be, especially for Isham being 16, he'll be 17 in Feb, mm-hmm. and we're busy with his learners. Uh, we bought him a car. Um, and he'll be having his peas shortly, which means he'll be on the road himself. Right. When that happens, I I think my biggest fear would be getting a phone call at two or three in the morning to say, "Can you please come? There's a problem." Um, I think that would be my biggest fear. Because what kind of problem are you sort of thinking of? Um, to be direct, a car accident. Um, getting a phone call to come and identify your son at at, at the morgue. Right. You right. know, picking him up at the police station. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think any parent wants to get that phone call. Mm-hmm. But realistically, you know, there's a good chance you, you, you may. And, and I think, like I said, it's about on a daily basis consistently instilling the best values that you can in them so that you can avoid it. Right, right. Will it work 
I don't think so. Let me give you maybe a more of a little push here because I can hear what you're saying, but it seems you're more concerned in terms of their own sort of physical safety and mm. whatsoever. But I guess my question was more sort of stretched into the complexities of the world, you mm. know, um, where for some parents might say, I fear the fact that with maybe the growing trend of whatever things that are happening, my child might sort of get silenced um, in the community than having to express themselves in a different way. Okay. Uh, regardless of whether, even though we might, feel happy with you know your kids expressing themselves in a way that is not harmful to others mm-hmm. i mean it's those kind of complexities that i'm trying to sort of make sense of which we can tie them then back on in terms of your upbringing but i just want to be free with the conversation than being like more structured okay. yeah. so a couple of years ago and, and i'd say as recent as this year you know coming from an african background you know the kids would be called all sorts of names um and it may hurt their self-esteem is that sort of the path in in an open setting is that what we sort of trying to get at everything 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 because i was basically <laughs> going to touch on that aspect you you know yeah. when is it your eldest son that it was called a refugee you uh, know, all, yes. all those type of things yes. and like yeah. what yeah. does that mean even in terms of you know integrating into the australian society mm. coming back from south africa where yep. there's racism you're yep. sort of trying to run away from many things yep. it's not just issues of crime and corruption but mm. it's also racism but mm. you'd step onto the new context mm. you still you know faced with those yes you're right you know a lot of people and and i'd say even back home in in south africa people sort of tend to say oh you know it's so bad here at least you've left you know the racism is gone so bad um, I think there's racism everywhere if we're going to touch on that subject too. And, and I think it's a little bit of of how we're going to deal with it. Uh, kids don't know how to deal with this. They they haven't been around long enough. Um, and, you know, like we hear a lot of, 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 of indigenous families going through things yeah. today's day and age. Um, and yes, oh, of course, that would be a fear of mine is we get our kids to... Um, be in a predicament where they have to feel that in order for them to get away from something that is taunting them out there, that they've got to take their life. And that that's, would be the 100% the biggest fear mm-hmm. is if things get to a certain point to that extent. And, and like you just mentioned, um, couple of, actually it would have been earlier this year, if I'm not mistaken, that Isham, uh, my eldest son, actually was told to go back uh, to where he come from because he's a refugee. And we again that's something that we do talk to them about uh you know you're not a refugee we we made a decision to come over mm-hmm. to australia um ramiz on the other hand is 14 so he's a little bit more immature than isham and even through junior school um they actually had to deal with that and it was challenging for them because we didn't know how to deal with it as much as they did um but the biggest fear to be honest with you, for my kids, would be to be put into a predicament or a situation where they feel that they have no other solution but to take their own life to get away from it. And and we're talking about social bullying. We're talking about racism. We're talking about peer pressure. Mm-hmm. And there's so much out there, uh, and that would be the ultimate fear. And I'm wondering, in terms of uh, the 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 racism one, or your child being told to go back where they came from, mm-hmm. and you know how this stories of refugee keeps on coming back up and mm. so on and so forth how how did you guys then as parents handle it uh in in from a sense of like 
relational wise with the parents of the other kids that might have said that or if, or if these incidents are taking place in, at school how do you how do you how how did you handle it and how how is the response um earlier on you spoke about uh so i keep on like doing my own fact checking uh, that's by fine. the way that's <laughs> yeah that's so so earlier on when you were speaking about you know the aboriginal communities and whatsoever i was just thinking about a recent um case i don't know if you saw it of the aboriginal teen his name is casey uh Turvey. in perth I yeah. think it's in Perth, yeah. yeah the one who was, year old. yeah, the yeah. one who was who was um, beat with a pole, uh, yeah, yeah, killed with machete, and yeah. you know, a whole of racial slurs yeah. were actually uh, made during that incident and so on. I'm I'm looking at all those things and I'm thinking about if if this thing happens to Aboriginal people, what mm. then more can someone who comes from you know a migrant, what can more, what can they say in terms of their safety and the safety of their children? Mm. You know, in this case, I think a lot of it comes down to. Uh, a child is a sponge. Whatever you teach a child is what they will grow up believing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's got to come from us as parents, the education system as well. I think that's so important because if a parent does not teach a child that regardless of the color of your skin, everybody needs to be treated fairly and equally, um, the education system needs to step in and I think they need to take over in terms of education because that is education. Um, is It doesn't necessarily mean because of the color of your skin you have to be treated any different mm-hmm. to someone else who's of a lighter color or darker color for that matter. Um, you know, that boy in, in, in Perth that, got, yeah, that was beaten cases, to death. Yeah. It, it's sad because... Would that have happened if it was a color of a, di- a child of a different color? You know, w- would that have happened in the same sense? Um, when you say of a different color, you mean if it was a white? If kid. it was a white kid, yeah. um, of lighter color, right, w- w- right. Would that have happened? Because for me, what also shocked me in that incident is the fact that, and it's a good question that you're asking. Uh, what shocked me is that police officer, one of the police officers, uh, probably one of the investigating police officers, said. It is said. It seems as if Casius was at the wrong place and at the wrong time. And I was like, okay, then. But what? What are you saying? Mm. Uh, you know, beyond that, and yeah. and and it's a good question you're asking. If it was a white kid, would you just yeah. leave it to that? Say, yeah. the, the child was at, at the wrong place and at the wrong time. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 different complexities. Um, but I don't want to sort of get you caught up with the case. Yes, it's a good case study. Sort of, it mean? sort of also helps us to sort of reflect yeah. as to if, if this can happen to an Aboriginal kid yeah. here, what then about a migrant kid? Sort well, of what so happens if my kid's walking down yeah, the ro- yeah. road in the wrong place yeah. at the wrong time? You know, yeah. we, we, again, that's a fear that you've got to be walking around with, you know, and you've got to try and teach your kid. And and it shouldn't be that way because Australia is a free country. Mm. You know, we, we made decisions to leave South Africa because of the crime yeah. and, and the harm that's going on there. We shouldn't have to hold them back in mm. the country that we're currently living in. So if, if I've got to tell my son, don't walk down the road at nine o'clock at night because there's a chance that you may get hurt mm-hmm. uh, being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Well, then there's, there's definitely something wrong with the system because we shouldn't have to do that in right, 2022. Right, right. You know, it's anybody should be allowed to walk wherever they please regardless of the time or the place mm-hmm. um, it should be open and you know it's I, I wouldn't tell my children not to do that because it's, it's you know it's it's they've got to allow themselves to be free and go where they want and further to that <clears throat> it's got to be you know if somebody suspects somebody of doing something sorry <clears throat> no worries if somebody expects somebody of doing something you should take them to their parents right you know I'm talking about an adult as such because these were 
not adults, but they were, they, they were, they were over 21 years old from what I believe. So, you know, to close that off, it's, it's, it's freedom. We're living in 2022 and regardless where you are or the place or the time, mm. you should mm. not be concerned about being killed or murdered for being in that wrong place. Right, you right. Know, so. I guess uh, one of my initial questions was how do you then handle it? How do you handle it in terms of the school if the incidents of, you know, your, your, your son being called a refugee? Uh, did, you, did you speak about it with the teachers and what's the response then from them? Well, we took it up to the school, um, Bronwyn specifically, because she's got, Bronwyn has a, a high tendency of wanting to deal with this. Uh, she believes she can change the world. Um, <laughs> in terms of that, you know, a lot of, a yeah. lot of, of, of people. I'm laughing because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, why, why, did you, why did you have to put it in that way? Because she does. She does. Bronwyn, but do you believe in the changing of the world I do. yourself? I do. Oh, okay. Um, I do. I, I sort of let Brown take the lead on it because she'll be a stronger. But I'm I'm 100% supportive of it because if we don't, who's mm. going to? Right. You know, right. we've got kids um, who are from a different background, and they are trying to fit in. And if mm. we don't help them fit in, who's mm. going to do it? Mm. You know, we can't say, "Oh, it'll be somebody else's problem," because it won't. If yeah. everybody thinks the same, then it will never change. Yeah. We'll all be in the same predicament. And my kids, kids still living here will be dealing with what they are dealing with now mm-hmm. um so to answer your question tony we we approached the school and we took it up with him and, and initially there was a little bit of resistance um because it couldn't have happened at their school when it did you know and and when we, you say resistance where they're saying that can never happen in, in their school well not necessarily never happen but they don't believe that it could have happened at their school um wow. look it, Obviously, in the sense, you, you try and quash whatever you can so it doesn't become a problem. Yeah. Um, however, like I said, Bronwyn being Bronwyn would not allow that. And, and, you know, we both approached the school and we both approached the principals and we said, this needs to be dealt with. We're not going to go away. We, we need to deal with this, whether we're going to have a meeting with the kids' parents or you guys need to do it. We actually did request a full meeting with all parties involved, uh, excluding the kids, but the parents, us and, and the school governing bodies. Um, ultimately, the, the kid was suspended um, for school for two weeks with a mark on that if it ever happened again, they will be expelled. So how did they get to that part when, init- when at first it was a matter of a bit of a hesitance that it, might, it could have happened on their school grounds or something? Well, it will be obviously a case of he's sh- he says, she says. Um, right. How do you confirm it? Um, Fortunately, there were, and I say fortunately with the heavy heart, because if somebody says that this person says it to me, um, mm-hmm. it needs to be dealt with, whether you may believe it or not. Um, but in, fortunately, in this case, there were witnesses, as in other kids. Right. Um, and they, they stood up, which would be Isham, or I think it was Ramiz's friends at that stage. Actually, it was Isham's, um, his friends, and they stood up and said, no, this was said, you know, ma'am or sir. And it was taken forward, and, and the kid was suspended. Um, and came back and it, it never happened for a long period of time mm-hmm. after that. And mm-hmm. I'd say it's because there may have been some form of education or meeting with parents. Let me push it a little bit in terms of the kid being suspended because, mm-hmm. I mean, this is something else also for me <laughs> when I look at some of the ways in which we try to deal with challenges in society to say, 
are we really going about it in the right way? And also maybe this goes on to you as parents. Your child was called a refugee. It, it's hurting and, and so on and so forth. But let's say it was your child who did the same thing to somebody else or did something harmful to somebody else. These are kids, mm. right? 16 years of age. Yes, you, you, you're legal in Australia. You're getting somewhere. But, I mean, these are kids. And if we use these measures then of suspending kids, mm. then checking, okay, what could be the reason for those kids to be doing this? And is there any other means to do something that – because to suspend a child also, it might be taking away a certain right off of them. But is that building into society or in, in, in so doing, we're teaching people the fact that there's a harsh punishment that should be upon you if you make a slightest mistake. Mm. And I'm not trying to sort of justify the kid who called your child mm. um, whatsoever, but I'm just trying to think that if it was your child and this situation is a situation that happened, would mm. you be happy with your child being suspended or any other measures should be taken into place? Perhaps counseling or to check also with the family, what kind of education are you giving your kids at home and stuff like that? Look, I mean, like you just said, you, you've got to be very careful how you approach the situation because there is a child involved on both sides. Yeah. Uh, the child receiving and the child, obviously, who's the aggressor. Um, I, I still maintain that everything a child or majority, not everything, I've got to be careful because kids learn things yeah. outside of their home. Yeah. But m- most of what a kid grows up with would come from the parents. Um, does the kid need to be suspended? Yes. I would, I would gladly accept. As a first go, or you, or after any other measures well, have been taken, it's discovered that there's no any other way. Because sometimes maybe, what if the child is the first time they're doing this? They're not inherently problematic, you know. Every day, it's just happened that the child wanted to flex power or yeah. impress certain friends at this moment yeah. and it requires a certain form of punishment. I mean, when 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 we're talking about this, I want you to also think more. Remember mm-hmm. we're still talking about a boy-child. Boys mm-hmm. have got the tendency of being rough yep. with each other. You Chest know. out. You, yeah. you know, for some kind of the roughness you know, tend to bring some dopamine to some of them. They feel yep. like, okay, I'm the man or whatsoever yep. the case. If it, if it was your child and mm-hmm. this thing is happening and we say, let's build even in Australia because mm-hmm. the point is not to, because, you know, people are pushing the idea of racism on the side because they think everything is just pushed towards mm-hmm. racism. But now I'm saying to you as a parent, as a father, let's think towards then building. Yeah. What could be the best way than just opting for let's suspend the child? Okay. So, I mean, we will all have our, our different opinions on it. Me personally, yeah. I do believe that that would be the right decision, whether it was my child or not. Mm-hmm. Um, purely because there's two different ways of disciplining. You're going to either get a slap on the wrist. And yes, look, it could be either way. It was an, a, a once-off thing. Mm-hmm. But it all, could also be that there's a lot more involved in it. Yeah. You, we won't know on first glance. Being suspended sort of shows that, number one, this, you know, if you've made a mistake, fair enough. A two-week suspension is going to teach you that don't do it again. Mm. Um, you're not necessarily being expelled. And, I mean, look, there's always an opportunity for the kid to come back and catch up on the two weeks' worth of work. It's not the ideal situation, but there has to be a certain amount of discipline in the situation. Um, like I said, whether it being a once-off or it's happened multiple times before, we have to teach our kids that there's consequences. For every action, there's going to be a reaction. If you're going to get a slap on the wrist and walk away and smile as you exit a door, mm-hmm. are you learning from that uh, situation? No, because you're going to do it again. But if you are shown that there's going to be consequences and you put things in place to say, today you'll be suspended for two weeks, it's 
going to be hard. When you come back, we'll catch up on whatever needs to happen and you'll be back in as it never happened before in terms of your schoolwork. However, if you do this again, there'll be a serious, more serious consequence and you may never come back into the school because this could lead to something further on. You know, if, if that child continues being teased and called refugee, again, like I said, what's the parent's worst fear is their own child taking their life. And if that can be prevented in the foundation phase, yeah. we are now being proactive instead of reactive. Yeah. So to answer your question, Tony, I strongly believe that a, f a good form of, of discipline being that two-week suspension would be an entry level in terms of showing a kid this is extremely wrong. Mm -hmm. It is, we are not taking this lightly. Um, go away and think about what you've done for the, for the next two weeks. And when you come back, let us know what your outcome is of, of what you were thinking. You know, yeah. it may be a lot for a eight-year-old kid, but let's show them that, you know, we're not taking this lightly. Mm -hmm. The chances of them doing this again through their adulthood or child, teenagers to adulthood would be minimal because they know that there are consequences. Right. If we don't teach a child young that there are consequences, they will never learn from their mistakes. Mm -hmm. They will never learn that if what they've done is wrong. But does it matter to, to sort of also investigate what might be a, a good punishment of a kid because... Probably growing up back in South Africa, you'd know the culture. Most of the kids, if teachers say I'm suspending, you, it, it actually calls for celebration because who, who, who the hell wants to be in school? Yeah, yeah <laughs> you know. <it> does. <laughs> so okay, yes, coming back and catching up, there might be it might take a lot of time, but to be suspended for some of it because like, but that's what I want to do. I don't want to be in school. I hate school. Yeah. Right. So I guess with that, I'm trying to figure out also that is it is it not worth it to check whether is this really going to be a punishment or this is sort of technical a reward to somebody who doesn't want to be in this in this place but we're convincing ourselves that this is yeah. a form of a punishment <clears throat> and also what should punishment look like for kids because a child can go and stay at home and think about it but really is it really thinking about it what if the child comes back and does it again because the child just want to be at home what more then can we think about what if we think also about ways in which if we decide to suspend a child, we sort of also have them learning different things, different programs about multiculturalism. How can they be better human beings yep. and also yep. be at the space where if they hear one of their peers doing the same mistakes mm -hmm. they're doing, they're able to call them in and say, this is not how we do it. Yep. This is how we should treat people. Because I'm yep. thinking if we, if we can think of more solutions that are sort of more building. Mm -hmm. But yet, so people have to think carefully about, you know, the harm and the hurt that they're doing to others. Yeah. And, and I do believe there are um, some form of educational classes in terms of that. Um, yeah, yeah. Obviously, as you know, Australia takes the indigenous um, culture strongly, you know, and, and they do do their best to try and teach, um, especially in the foundation phases, kids about this, you know, mm -hmm. about living together as one uniform, you know, man, you know, if you want to call it that. Yeah, yeah. But 100%. Um, educational means and ways of getting things across so yes i mean if a kid does do something like this um instead of suspending him putting him into a program um for two weeks where you're actually teaching him the fundamentals of what actually went wrong yeah. why did it go wrong what could be the repercussions of what you've actually done which is what i'm saying of the ultimate uh, parents nightmares their kid taking their life so the words that you use could eventually harm that kid in a more physical way down the line yeah uh, permanently so I mean, I call for it. I'm all for it. Um, but at this stage, we, you know, we, we work towards that. Mm -hmm. But what do we have right now? We can yeah. only use the tools that we have. And, and, you know, 
we would want to get there but for now i would i would say we've got to have something strong mm-hmm. to to deter it from happening again or prevent right. it from happening again it's like i said it's being better being proactive than reactive and and that's my stance on it perfect i mean we delved a lot into that topic yeah. um because i feel like yeah th- there was so much to take a bite mm. on within it what would you say are then the most important things that you enjoy because remember initially we came from a question what are your fears and so on and so which i felt like you know receiving bad news um uh, about your child mm. is one of the fears that you have and also like raising bad kids is one of the things that you do not advocate for but what what would you say are the best things that you enjoy about being a father to two young boys like can you share with us a bit of how you spend your own time like yeah. how do you how do you chill with your boys how many days and do we have and the importance of yeah. it <laughs> how many days do we have so um Oh, I mean, geez, that's 90% of my reason for living. You know, it's nice. my my boys are they are my my pride and joy. When I see them do different things, it puts a certain amount of joy in your heart and and any parent would contest to it is or attest to it is there's no explanation or no amount of words that can explain how that feels. For example, just yesterday So you know what I mean is um my 14 year old is big on rugby. South Africans are big on rugby union. Yeah. Massive. And so is my household including Bronwyn. Um we have to shut doors and everything when when rugby's on so nobody hears what's going on inside <laughs> but Ramiz is very big on rugby and he's very big on sport in general. And yesterday I went and played some social soccer um for our club Samba and he came with to play. And we must have had at least thirty people, and I'm talking about from uni students all the oh, way wow. to people forty years plus yeah, playing. Yeah, and he was a standout player. Wow. Yeah, and um, everybody came up afterwards and said, "Why does he not come to play with you?" And I said, "Because he enjoys rugby. I do know he can play soccer, but..." And they actually said that this is a hidden talent. Right. Walking away last night was probably my highlight of 2022. Wow. So it's it's about your kids you not having to tell people about your kids and their capabilities it's about your kids going out into the world and showing the world what they have mm. and what you can do is help them groom that I know he's a very good rugby player and I do everything I can and so does his mom to help him and we know that because we get the feedback and he wins trophies and they win yearly but doing something different to his comfort zone and still excelling and exceeding in the expectation everybody thought that he'd be off in the first 10 minutes he'd be hurt wow. and he played the whole one and a half hours non-stop so that's the joy that we feel mm. um chilling time with my boys yeah uh sport watching a lot of sport watching movies uh we love that there's one thing that that I have and I'm sure a lot of us other parents with the moms or dads have is sometimes we'd be out and about whether it be with friends or just at the movies or just generally in the mall and we'd be walking together and we just burst out laughing and the mom wouldn't understand why we're laughing yeah. only we would understand it because we've seen something happen and we all find it seemingly interesting amongst mm-hmm. us nobody else around us would laugh but we would so it's that's that's boys time you know that's just dad and his boys having some fun yeah yeah um uh, you know boys growing up always want to be physical to dad to show you know like you said the dominance yeah yeah so you give and you and you pull you know but with them so you give them and you take a bit from them so 
it's any opportunity, Tony, to spend time with, with, with my boys for me is time well spent, regardless what we're doing, whether we're mowing the lawn or we're watching a footy game mm-hmm. or we're just generally sitting and having a good laugh. That's chill time. Any time spent to them. Um, and they are very easy in that. They are happy to do anything with, with dad. Um, and I'm happy to do anything with them. Mm. We, we don't have specific things that we need to do. It's extremely general and it's open. I've always mm. had the open relationship with them. And, and yeah, I mean, that's, I just want them to grow up and, and be the best that they can be from. And, and whatever I give them now, I know will help them yeah, down the line. Yeah, yeah. I think when we had a chat before, we spoke a little bit also in terms of the openness for them mm. to speak even about mm. dark or deep secrets mm. and so mm. on and so forth. Mm. How's how's that going in terms of... Nothing's you know, changed. Yeah. Um, you know, Bronwyn being the mom, she always tries to sneak things out of them and, and try and fish <laughs> and suss things out of them. Um, me, on the other hand, I'm more laid back in that sense where I... Both, we, we don't judge them. We always store them, as we, I've mentioned to you before. Hmm. You know, this is life. We're living it. Um, I'm not going to block you from doing. I'm here to help you not to be in any sort of trouble. Hmm. Um, but the openness will never change. It's still as strong as it ever is. Uh, secrets do come out. Mm-hmm. I won't put them on air in case they have to listen to this later on in their adult life. <laughs> right. Uh, but, um, I mean... They are, you know, we, we talk about girls because uh-huh. they, they're young teenage boys. Yeah. Um, they don't want mom to hear about it. So they come to me and we tend to have a chat. Um, but mom will help them, guide them in, in whichever way, you know, she feels she needs to. Mm-hmm. And I'll just tell them, my boys, you go out there and you be the best that you can be in and make good decisions. Whatever I've taught you, go out there and do it. Um, but please remember that I am still your dad, regardless of your age. And if you ever need to have a chat, please come back to me. Um, mm-hmm. If you're ever in trouble, don't ever feel the need not to come and talk to me. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm here for. Um, but go out there and enjoy the world. You know, it's your your oyster. So the openness will always be there. That will never change. Um, and and that's just the way we, we have them moving forward. Right, right. I'm tempted to ask you a question you're not ready for, but I'm not sure whether it won't knock you off your chair. <laughs> no, it won't. Go for it. <laughs> I had a conversation lately uh, today, actually earlier with a friend of mine. He's raising a, a little one, but his little one still like about a year and a couple of months. We'll be turning, actually we'll be turning two next month. Uh, and one of the things that I sort of raised to him, I said, life has gotten to be more too complex um, in a sense that there's certain things that I know that, and most men will never open up about it, but it, it, there's certain actions and beliefs today that they can actually knock a man's ego, so to say. And I asked him a question, which is a question directed to you at this moment. Um, and I know that many men try to be very diplomatic when they approach this uh, uh, um, a response to this question because of the fears of really what how would society respond and so on and so forth. I asked him a question: What would you do should your child come and tell you that actually I'm a member of the LGBT? Yep. And you never sort of anticipated that. And he took this deep breath but this is not mainly about him i would love to sort of throw that to you now um 
I mean, it's a different space. You come from a different background. You yep. were raised in a faith-based background. And I mean, same as your wife. Um, and now you're here. And we know that back home, most families wouldn't sort of be open up to, you know, the kind of, now things are changing, but at the same time, there's still probably part of the question I asked earlier on even about fears is the fact that in this kind of situation now, more complexity is coming in terms of also issues of violence, issues of bad speech and so on and so forth in some contexts. But I know that this question often uh, hits the man's ego so harsh mm-hmm. where they'll be like, Ooh, okay, now I need to think quickly. Look, uh, 100%. You know, back home, it's, it's not something you even think of. And and Bronwyn and I speak to each other a lot about it because we do have boys. Not that we're seeing any signs or we yeah. suspect it, yeah. but it's part of being that open thing where if we don't and it does occur, we wouldn't know how to handle it. So we, we do have general chats about many different things, and that's included, um, where, you know, we sort of say, um, does Isham have a girlfriend? Uh, I don't know. Mm. Has he ever had one? Oh, yeah, yes. Um, <laughs> do you think that he may be, you know, playing on the other side <laughs> oh, of the field? Oh, my goodness. Is, so, yeah, there's you know, no kids. That's, so, yeah. that's, you know, and, and you sort of think that, you know, mm. as you would about any other thing, you right. know, there's right. always a, a, you know, a pro and a con to anything. But look, I'll answer your question, Tony. Um, I did take a deep breath when you asked it, so I won't have to take it now. So nobody will hear me. <laughs> nobody will hear me sighing. <laughs> okay. But to be honest with you, it's not going to hurt my ego. Okay. okay. Because I'm his dad, and like I've said from the beginning, I'm here to raise them as best as I can as their dad. If that is what he would feel more comfortable doing, or if that's where he would feel more comfortable in general. It will be hard. I'm not saying that I would go out there with roses to him. Yeah. It would be extremely challenging. It would be extremely difficult um, because I would love my son to to do all the things that I done growing up as a normal boy to a man. But if he does choose, I will be of the best support that I can be mm-hmm. for him because I'm still his dad and he's still my son, regardless of whichever path he chooses to take. So I must be clear with that. Um I would still want my relationship with my son until I'm no longer here because, you know, by me pushing him away, I feel it will harm me more than it will harm him. I mean, don't get me wrong, he'll be distraught himself, but the decision I make, only I can control. I cannot control him. Mm -hmm. I I don't ever want to control him. I want to teach him and I want him to be but I'm not here to control him and tell him how to live his life. So if he chooses that path, you, you say know. it'll harm him more if you dismiss of him yes. than than him. Yep. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that for some men, I guess. Yeah, myself, I stop. I'm, I don't have any kids. Yep. I don't have any kids. But I stop and I was like, actually, this this question, if I was to put it to myself, it strikes a little bit of an ego in the man in me. Hmm. Uh, in a sense that I'm thinking also about the fact that men tend to be more happy when they have, a, you know, a male child, a boy child, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Because you're also thinking about your legacy, you're yep. thinking about, you yes. know, the next generation, yep. so on and so forth. Obviously, the current world will tell you about, you know, adopting and whatsoever in case, you know, kids end up in same-sex, you know, marriages or mm-hmm. whatever the case. But it's different. The, mm. the truth is it's different than if you've got your own blood. And that's the reality that we need to sort of face. Um, yeah, I felt I felt a little bit challenged myself even with that with that 
type of a question mm. and, and I don't know what, what, what it means to you deeply when I speak about you know the question strikes a man's ego so wouldn't also thinking about the fact that the, the, the Hassan legacy also might take a different direction be Look, a got, headful thing also I've got two sons so if one chooses to go down <laughs> the path I've got one more to, to keep, keep my, my, my springs coming but it, look, it, there's no doubt it will hurt. Yeah. 100%. And, and, you know, I can sit here and say this now. If it actually does occur, would I still have the same mindset? I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a similar thing to losing a loved one. Um, you know, you, people always comfort you and say it's going to be okay. But if you are in that specific situation, you don't think it's going to yeah. be okay. Yeah. So I'd say if, we, if we're looking at it from the outside in, it's doable and it's it's tolerable and and you can handle it and deal with it but if you're physically in that situation or literally in that situation can you do it i don't know you know and and i would like to think like i said i've, I've said how i would approach it mm. i would like to think that i would handle it in that sense because yeah. like i've said to you it's by me pushing my son away yes he there's a lot like i said there's a lot that me growing up he would not be a part of and i would feel he'd miss it um but then again, he it's his decision to make. You know, it's of course I may not speak to him for a year. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I may not speak to him for a week. I I, I don't know. I'm, I may just immediately openly accept it. I don't mm-hmm. know because I'm not in the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but all we can do is do the best that we can to prepare ourselves for different situations. Mm-hmm. Some you can't. Yeah, I mean, I, I I admire your bravery, you know, <laughs> attempting to respond oh. to this question. But I like the fact that you're responding it in all honesty to say, yeah. look, when when now that happens, I don't know how yeah. I might respond, but I I'll don't. still look forward to. It. And and the thing, uh, the the when I say the bravery is because questions like this, you know, there's certain groups of people in society who might just be waiting to hear what your response is, and mm. then you know, sensationalism might mm. run all over. Mm. You know, if this was YouTube or whatever. Just just yeah. that part of a clip where you say, I might not talk to my son even for yeah. a year. Yeah. It might be the one that will trend more than yeah. a lot of the things that you actually, yeah. you know, said. But I think the reality is that, and, and the whole purpose of this question of mine is not sort of pushed by any form of sensationalism, but it's to, it's to sort of pull out of you the reality that, look, sometimes parenthood is not just a matter of, I've got these things figured out in my head as to if this happened, this is what I'm going to do. But also sometimes the scarier part of it is to think about what if I'm confronted by something that I never really thought mm-hmm. of that it could actually hit my house? Mm-hmm. What could be the best way then out of this, you know? Mm-hmm. But I like the fact that even in your response, you're not sort of any pushing any sort of uh, homophobic mm-hmm. kind of a way, but there is the reality. Because mm-hmm. I think sometimes people who criticize this, they, they, they just want to paint everybody as, as either you're racist mm. or you're homophobic and whatnot mm-hmm. without thinking the fact that, look, but you're still a human being at yep. the same time. And yep. sometimes shock is one of the things that yep. confronts us in life, you know. Um, uh, but what matters also is that then going forward, when we come back to the reality, then we now have done negotiating with yep. ourselves as to could this be, could this not be, what is the way forward in a way that will still, you know, promote love, promote safety for people and so on and so well, forth. Well, you got to think of it in a sense, Tony, as well, is what kind of a person would I be sitting here saying no to racism mm-hmm. but saying um, you know at the same time I cannot accept my son yeah. being from a different uh, you know or being a part of the LGBTQ yeah. what kind of a person would I be don't get me wrong I'm not saying it's the ideal way that I'd want him to, to mm-hmm. move forward in life but it is his decision mm-hmm. um, 
like you said at the, at the end of the day we all human you yeah. know who am i to tell you you're doing the wrong thing and and who are you to tell me i'm doing the wrong thing we we all i think in this world living and doing the best that we can and and we all have our own parts and decisions and and to make and we should be allowed to do that mm-hmm. you know uh, mm-hmm. i have my opinion of you um and you may have your opinion of me but it should not uh reflect who you are my opinion of you should it does not 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 that it should it does not reflect who you are mm-hmm. so you know with that being said i i don't see myself sitting here saying well, what kind of a parent is this or what kind of a person is this that cannot accept somebody of a darker color or what kind of a person would i be saying why can't i accept that person for who they are mm-hmm. you know so it's i think it's about us in general just being open and like i said to you i mean I may sit here today saying this it may not be the same if it ever does come to my doorstep so I'd like to think that I'm I'm a, I'm an open person as well you know right. earlier on you asked me who's Muhammad I'd like to believe I'm as open as as the next person could yeah. be um but and and you know hopefully I'll say this with caution hopefully my sons do get to grow up the way I done <laughs> as a man uh, and and as of you know growing up and have kids of their own but again if if they choose a different path that is their choice right right Um another sort of different kind of question but uh, and and it's up to you I don't want you to sort of now start opening up about the assets of the house and mm-hmm. so on and so forth but I'm I'm thinking in terms of how do you speak or as young as they are with your kids but how do you speak about issues of you know the economics mm-hmm. you know um how to handle finances yeah. and so on and so forth uh because obviously i don't know i believe part of growing up and being a good person comes with also you know knowing how to be a great steward of your finances so mm-hmm. to say um um I mean, the economics is one of the things that is driving the world today, is driving a lot of families today. Some families fall whenever there's no great economics at home or finances and so on and so forth. But I'm just curious to know then in terms of, do you have any specific age that you would say, this is the age I should start speaking to my kids about issues of money and so on and so forth, um, training them on how to you know, handle money and, and stuff like that, or oh, you've already started. And, but how's that journey for you and your family? Um we've started a long time ago with that you know when kids are young you tend to buy the little piggy bank you know the little piggy with yeah. the slot where you put your coins in and and your small notes we we've done that with them oh i mean from as far back as i can remember um and we always give them something for doing something good and they need to go and put it in their money bank and save it you know and if they wanted something we try and take it from that and buy it for them um growing up in their teens so Isham is now 16 years old and he's working um and he's actually doing pretty well you know he's he's seemingly to save a lot of money and um i must be honest with you as much as it's dads and their sons you know moms do also play a very big part in it where uh, bronan is a little bit more uh intense in making sure that you know you take a certain portion of whatever you have and you put that away for your saving and i There's this saying and I can't remember if it was Shaquille O'Neal or the basketball player or somebody else who said it where um rich people mm-hmm. take a hundred dollar bill and tear it in half and 50 goes for the saving and the 50 you go and splurge. Um wealthy people take the hundred dollar bill, split it in 50 and then put 50 in saving and take the other 50, split that in half, take 25, add it to your 50 for saving. So now you've got 75 in saving. Mm-hmm. 
and then you go and splurge the 25 and that's how you you get better in life and then i always try and let them know that that's a good principle to play with um saving you know a lot of us growing up did not have good opportunities mm-hmm. yeah you know we mid 30s early 30s and we, we you you tend to start buying houses now or you buy your first property and so yeah, on yeah. we want our kids to have this as early as possible so you know we had a, a very deep conversation with isham where we said you know you're going to be in year 12 next year um you're working you're making good money outside of school um by the time you reach a certain age um, you need to be able to have a deposit to to purchase your own property, and as you know, economic you know the economy is not at its best. Is yeah. it going to get any better? Is it going to get any worse? We don't know. But I mean, if a, if a, a boy or a girl or a young adult buys their first home at twenty one, I think they're going to be yeah. successful that's down good. the line. You yeah. know, so and I think that's the direction we're trying to put him in, and the same will go for Ramiz. We didn't have the opportunity, but we want them to have it. Mm-hmm. So what we've learned in life is we can only educate them and hopefully they take the, the best out of it but you know the saving thing i'm not the best at saving not at all not by far um i i'm a believer. you're not off. the best at saving no and you're teaching them about saving yes so and they seem to be doing good do they know you're not best at saving yes <laughs> they know take a fool's advice you know okay. so there's there's a saying take a fool's advice mm-hmm. so and my uncle always used to tell me that um you know take a fool's advice he always used to tell me not to do this and i'd be watching him doing it and he's and i'd say but where's the education unless you're doing this and you're telling me not to do it and he'd say one day you'll understand it right um because you would sort of the older you get you'd sort of understand that well you know my dad is driving a toyota corolla um why can't i drive a mercedes g63 he was doing well well i want to do better so if he was doing that, and he said to me, this is what I'm doing, um, and I don't want to drive a Toyota Corolla, I want to drive a G63, maybe I should listen to the advice he gives me so that I you know, take a fool's advice. And mm-hmm. with that being said, like I said, Bronan has a finger on the pulse with, with the boys, mm-hmm. making sure that they are uh, saving, and she goes in regularly and checks. But I'm the type of person that will walk into a shop and buy what I want and walk out. I, I, you know, tomorrow is a different day. Yes, we've got a plan for it and we've got to put that um, away. But I, I do believe that I want to enjoy a bit of what I have. <laughs> so right, right. I may not be as stern. So, you know, should I, needless to say, Bronan locks me out of most of the financial accounts. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and, and just gives me whatever I need to go and spend. But we, we, on a serious note, we do have very good sit downs with them. Mm. Um, you know, I'd like to think we are doing well and, and quite successful in life. And like I said, I would I want them to look at their parents and say, oh, my parents are doing well, but I want to do better. Right. I want more mm. um, than what they have. And, and, you know, by us educating them to say, this is what I do and this is what I'm not doing, you know, they can make their own assumptions or make their own decisions to say, mm. well, this is the path I'll follow to get better. Mm-hmm. Maybe two questions to ask questions. Number mm-hmm. one, is there anything ever in your parenting and you're looking after your kids that you feel like you've done and they saw it and and from the expressions whatsoever mm-hmm. they looked really disappointed in you hmm um wow that's that is something to think about i mean we'd like to think our kids are not you know we we never want to show them anything that they would want to be disappointed in us 
and and I mean, off the top of my head, and I'll be very honest with you, as parents, obviously, like I said, we're very open, you know, mm-hmm. and and I mean, the only thing I can think of, which is not necessarily a, <laughs> a bad thing, but you know, on a big Saturday night out, you walk in at three o'clock in the morning, and and you're a bit hungover, um, mm-hmm. and the next day you need to take them somewhere because you had promised them you'll take them out. Mm. Um, I would say that would probably be a disappointment where I couldn't make it to do it. Mm. Um, that would probably be a disappointment and, and we tend to learn from it, you know, but sometimes you go out and you're having a good time and, and you know, you, you know you need to be home at 12. Is that something that happened? It has. I it like has. the way you're speaking about it. Speaking about it as if it's something <laughs> yeah, that I'm in to, case it happened, yeah, it'll no, be bad. It has happened. <laughs> and, and I mean, I, to be honest with you, I mean, We'd, we'd like to say it didn't, but it did. You know, we have to be honest about it. And I'm sure there's a lot of parents out there that would have experienced the same or similar situations. Mm. Um, has it happened once? No. Has it happened twice? No. It's happened a few times over the years um, where you do go to have a big night and you just cannot make it to get them to where you promised them you take mm-hmm. them to, you know. Um, obviously, Pranun may have been around to do it or she was busy. But that would have been probably a disappointment that I'd seen in their face. Um, and, and you feel it, you know, you actually feel it. Yeah. And then you got to wake up later on and, and actually have a chat to them about, you know, how sorry you are and why it's happened. Um, it's no valid reason, but that would have been disappointment for sure. Right. 100%. Right, right. Yeah. Amazing. It was good to, it was good to get that out of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Out if, if, if they were here, I would have said, okay, your dad is telling me one story. Can you tell me another story that he's hiding somewhere? He's not saying, oh, you yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe the last question, anything so far in what we've spoken about, mm-hmm. uh, let me just give you two minutes of your time to yep. just open your heart. Mm-hmm. How would you swing everything if you had to sum up the conversation, anything you feel like maybe you, you it wasn't asked, but you feel like it's important from the context of, from a perspective of a father who's raising two teenage boys. And I mean, this is a broader topic that we cannot touch everything at the same mm-hmm. time, but I just wanted to sort of talk with you over a few certain things mm-hmm. that I feel like they're sort of dominating the space. And I've never touched on issues of, you know, gender-based violence, but I mean, in this case, your kids are still young. It doesn't seem like even your 14-year-old is mm-hmm. is in any sort of dating or whatnot, but is that part of your conversation? It could be something that you can also sum up with it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's it's very broad-based. Um, gender-based violence, it's definitely something we, we speak about. You know, growing up, we, like I said, we we grew up in a, a less than average community. So you tend to have a lot of drug and alcohol abuse and violence and gender-based violence. I, I grew up a lot around a lot of that. Um, and that's the one thing that I make sure my sons understand, um, that you are never to raise your hand for a female or for anybody um but touching on on a wider base i mean i guess like i said our kids are our pride and joy mm-hmm. what we feed into them today will one day benefit them it will one day benefit you too as a parent and i say that because like i said to you in the beginning you know coming from south africa we still have to look after our parents because they don't have yeah or they didn't have the education or the knowledge to make good decisions to benefit them when they are retired yeah. one day. So we have to fork and, and stand in for that. Um, and I make sure that today that they understand that, you know, the decisions that both my wife and myself make are to better their futures and ours, our own. Whereby when they are living life, they don't have to be concerned about how we're living financially. They need to be concerned about themselves. Uh, we'll teach them and they need to then do the rest. So we put a lot of effort in 
uh, both Bronwyn and myself work multiple jobs. Um, not because we need to, but because uh, we choose to. Um, and that's to better our futures um, for all of us. So, I mean, you know, Tony, we can talk probably a few days about family and, yeah. and kids. Um, but the most important thing is what I'm instilling in my kids. The legacy that I will leave behind one day will be with them. Um, people may not know me, but they will get to know my kids and they will say, you know what, your parents taught you well yeah. or your dad's taught you well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, never back down, stand up for yourself, um, make wise decisions uh, and be constant in life. Just be the best that you can be, but be constant. You can't be one person today and be a different person tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, be consistent in who you are yeah. and be who you are because that's who you choose to be, not mm-hmm. because somebody expects you to be in that way. Um, you know, and love. I, I think that this is a, a very important thing. Um, there's a, a situation that I actually have going on back home with some family members where, you know, there's there's internal fights in a family. And there was counsellors called in. And the the counsellor actually asked the dad, when last was it that you ever told your daughter you loved her? Hmm. Um, And he couldn't answer the question. Um, The daughter's not necessarily doing well in life. Um, You know, but a drug abuse and, and, you know, living with parents. And you think about it, and sometimes that four-letter word has a lot of power in it. You know, so telling your kids you love them, as often as you possibly mm. can, and that be every day is not too much. Twice a day is not too much. Showing affection to your kids, um, all that sort of stuff, I think, adds up, and you know they will then have that similar relationship with their kids, mm-hmm. and it will be you know an ongoing situation. So, I mean, I'm, I must be very honest with you. Growing up, my dad, I didn't get that much affection. And I've chosen to change it. I want to give my kids affection. So I try and do the opposite of, like I said, take a fool's advice. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't get that much growing up, but I want to give it. I want to give it to my kids because they deserve it. And, and you know, I want them to have the best and be the best. And giving them the, that attention and talking to them daily. You know, sometimes I'll just pick Ishama from work and I'll just have a random conversation and he'll say, Dad, where does this come from? Like, why are you having this conversation? I was like, you know, if you if you have a girlfriend and you're going to a party make sure you don't go into a room alone you know make sure that you 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 keep everything open um and he's like you're being weird you know and i'll say <laughs> no i'm not being weird i'm being realistic because mm-hmm. these things happen so it's the small things that we, we talk to them um never be afraid to express yourself to your kid because in return they won't be afraid to express themselves to you it's about that openness yeah. um and just you know the the five-minute conversations. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to arrange a meeting to have a chat to your kid. Just have a random five-minute chat to them about anything mm-hmm. um, and let them know at the end of that, I'm here. When if and when you need me, I'm here. Um, that's important. Um, I think in general, growing them, uh, well, kids growing up and making them listen to the news, which sucks because kids hate it, okay. you know, um, because there's a lot that they'd watch. Um, sometimes they don't want it, but when we're having dinner, we make sure that the family's sitting down and we're watching the news or just watching something interesting and let them ask you questions and answer them honestly. You know, answer them about daily life, answer them about, you know, girls and boys. Mm-hmm. Those are important things that you need to be talking about getting into a certain age, you know, the mind, how it thinks, the interests, the desires that come with it. Um, 
and you need to be open with them because if you're not going to explain it to them who is mm-hmm. um my wife and i had our kids young we never had conversations about uh you know childbirth and birth control and and uh, you know i don't know if i can say condoms on here yeah. all that sort of stuff we we never well, had yeah. those conversations as as um young teenagers with our parents um we had kids young um and i educate the kids about this i, I let them know and and it's it is a funny feeling when you do it because it, it's not I don't know I don't know how do you put it it is a funny feeling but you sort of get to the point where it has to happen because right. if you're not going to do it who is going to do it and when things do go south when they're 19 years old you know and you get a knock on the door and say oh your son's made my daughter pregnant whose fault is it mm-hmm. did you have the conversation with them you can't actually go up to them and, and shake them and say well why did you do this yeah. well dad I didn't know you know I, you know a 19 year old should but if he says dad I didn't know Well, did you have the conversation with him as a dad? Yeah, yeah. Um so so you got to look back and say, well, whose fault is it? You know, I I and I didn't have the conversation and and I'm sorry. Now you have to deal with being reactive. You know, you're not being proactive about the situation. So we've got to have those conversations and and keep it open. Amazing. That's a good place to stop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was me, great having a conversation yeah. with you again That's this time. No, yeah. thank you very much for yeah. having me. That's Mohammed Hassan. Um thank you so much for choosing the Visions and Tones podcast. I hope you enjoy uh this work and go ye, go everybody, be the best versions of yourselves, be best human beings and we are out.